What's amazing is that's the first time he's ever sung. Um, yeah, first time ever. I wanted to begin today with it being Mother's Day with a mom's corner. And so we have several moms right here. I'll start over here at the right. That, this, is, this is my sister, Darla Garrett. So uh, Darla, you and your husband Wayne are here today. You got to see the baptism. And you have a little boy, Braden, who is two. And uh, poor little guy is my nephew. But uh, So anyhow, uh, welcome. And then Cindy Langford, you have... Uh, y'all don't have to pass the mic during this part, but it's fun. I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's kind of... Uh, uh, huh? uh, Cindy, you have, you have two kids, and Ethan and Justine. Justine was just baptized a few weeks ago. And uh, interestingly enough, both your children and Darla's child is adopted, are adopted. And so... Uh, you adopted them out of foster care. And then, Rachel, you have four kids ranging from age 19. Hannah, who is married and is expecting her first child. You're going to have a grandson. That's right. Awesome, awesome. And then you have three others that are still in the home all the way down to the age of seven. And Joanna's the youngest, and she also came to Christ just a few weeks ago ago as well. Well, we're talking today about from 2 Timothy chapter 1 about how God does not give us the spirit of fear, but he gave us a spirit of power and love and sound wisdom that we're to instill faith within our children. And one of the things that I observe in our culture today, and particularly in parenting, is this, there's this real high level of fear. Uh, as moms, what are some of the fears that you face? Cindy's like, Rachel, you go first. So what are some of the fears that you face as a mom, Rachel? I think the the biggest fear I face as a mom is the fear of loss. Um, I know when you find out that you're pregnant, all the time you're thinking, please don't lose this child. Let me carry it all the way to term. And then when they're born, you're thinking, please don't let me lose this child to SIDS or, or any of those things. And then as toddlers, you fear accidents. And as they get older in their teen years, you just pray that you fear they don't lose their way with all the, the tangled web of stuff there is out there for them to get into. Yeah. So, um, anyway. Anything? Did you have something else? I don't think so. That's all you got to say. About, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. And um, Cindy, what about you? What are some of the fears that you face as a mom? My fear is having kids that were adopted out of foster care is not having any history of medical, psychological, any of that stuff, and just not having um, a clue is, can I take care of what is going to be given to me? So. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Darla, what about, what about you? Well, mine is, I'm a nurse, so I have seen a lot, and my fear is that my child might get hurt in a critical way that changes his future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, how have you guys, your, your faith in God, how has that helped you to deal with some of the fears of motherhood that are natural? Because I think it's important that we also realize uh, fear in and of itself is not a bad thing. You know, when cars come down the road, I, wanna, I want my kids to have a little bit of fear of, of getting ran over by one of those cars. I remember the other day we had a, a poor rabbit get hurt, and, and Stacy was like shielding the kids from it. And I was like, no kids, come here, look at this, all right? This is what happens. I'll pay for your therapy later. I want you to see this is what happens if you get ran over, because I wanted them to have that, that fear, but then fear can also become really unhealthy whenever we, we swim in that fear and it keeps us from faith. So how has your faith in God helped you deal with the fears in motherhood? I think the, the best thing that I have uh, to help me with God is that prayer. 
You know, he is all-powerful. And so a prayer every day for protection from the harm and evil that's in this world is, is what I pray. Okay. Cindy, how about you? Um, for me, growing up, I was not a Christian, did not have a Christian home, and became a Christian as an adult. And so the difference between my kids and myself is that they do have God where I didn't. And so that's just a blessing. And then um, I get reminded often when I have to deal with those things that I was scared of, can I deal with, that God put my children and myself together um, as a match on purpose. Um, them being adopted, it's especially designed that way. And so I will be able to be equipped from him with whatever it is that I need to deal with. Yeah, cool. Rachel, how about yourself? I think what you said is true. I've heard it put that birds, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can certainly keep them from nesting in your hair. And so those thoughts will come into your mind, but you can't let them sit and you can't just sit and stay in that spot of thinking about them all the time. You really do have to turn them over to the Lord and trust his heart and trust his character and his goodness that he loves your child more than you could ever imagine. Yeah. You rest in that. Absolutely. I like that imagery. The the moms that were moms in the eighties with the big hair. Yeah. They yeah, birds nesting in the hair, they they can probably relate to. You know, that's why they invented minivans. Yeah, back in the eighties because the mom's hair was so big it couldn't fit in a normal door. So, you know, they had to make a big door for them to get into. But all right, let's give our mom's corner a hand. Thank you guys so much for for being here today. Uh, last, week, last week, we had a baby dedication in this service, and we dedicated three little boys to the Lord. And the song that we played to look at their lives thus far was Louis, Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. And that song has just been going through my mind all week. You know, that little grisly voice that he has? I see trees of green, red roses too. Eat your heart out, John. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. Huh? You're jealous? You ought to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll we'll have an invitation later and you can get right. You can get right with the Lord. But that song has just been going through my mind all week long and I I was thinking about moms and what goes through their mind and I think there's a song that goes through most mothers' mind called what if. I mean, what what if they get hurt? Because I, I wasn't watching them. What if something happens to them? I mean, somebody's got to watch them. Have you seen their dad? I mean, he's over there watching Ranger games, pork rinds on the shirt. He's not equipped. I have to, to watch him. What happens, if, what happens if they eat a non-organic cheese stick? I mean, they might get sick if, if that happens. I mean, what, what, what if they misbehave? What if they misbehave at school? What if they misbehave in the restaurant? Some of you are worried about this right now. What if they misbehave in church? What am I going to do if that happens? What if, I, what if, God forbid, I buy the wrong car seat? I mean, what's going to happen if that occurs? What if uh, the, the bigger things? What if they do drugs? What if they date the wrong people? What if they marry the wrong people? What if they fail the star test? I, I don't know what I'll do. And, and all these what ifs, and it's like a continual song that just runs through mom's heads. Stacy and I were talking the other day about all the different inputs that parents deal with today. I mean, it used to be you just had to worry about maybe your mother-in-law watching over your shoulder. But now, uh, thanks to the World Wide Web, uh, moms are worried about what some paranoid blogger in Connecticut thinks about the way that they're parenting. I mean, there's so many inputs and there's so much information, and really this is the first generation to be raised in the digital age. 
Did you know that statistically speaking, uh, the world is really not that much more dangerous today than it was 50 years ago? That statistically speaking, the crime rates are about the same. The child abduction rates are about the same. One of the big differences is that now in this digital world, we hear about it all the time. Everywhere you turn, you hear about things happening to children and you hear about the news instantly. And so what, what I've observed is that within our country, there is just this massive spirit of fear. A lot of people are living their lives in the grip of fear, and and we're scared about what might happen, all these what-ifs. Well, I want to talk to you today about a young man that was just an absolutely fantastic young man. You moms in the audience today, if your son could grow up to be like this young man, then you would be doing really well. His name was Timothy, and as a young man, He was so outstanding that the Apostle Paul began mentoring him. Paul took him with him on his mission trips. Paul taught him the scriptures. Paul took special interest in this young man, Timothy. He eventually grew into a pastor, and he had a great reputation. People in the community, people in the church knew that he was a person that walked with the Lord, that he was strong in the faith. Dads, I know this is hard for you to imagine, but Timothy was even the kind of young man that you would let date your daughter. He was a good, good guy. You heard about the dad that uh, whenever the young man comes to pick up his daughter, as they're leaving, he tosses him a bullet. Young man catches it. Dad looks at him and says, it goes a lot faster after midnight. I kind of like that myself. I'm going to remember that one in the years ahead. (laughs) But here's what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did. So this isn't something that's new. This is something that is our heritage. We we serve God. We We have followed God for many, many years. He says, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Now look at verse five. Clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother, Lois. Then in your mother, Eunice, and that I am convinced is in you also. So question for you. What is it that Timothy's grandmother and mother passed on to him? What is it according to verse 5? Let me hear you. A sincere faith, okay? So Paul looks at Timothy's life, this young man that he admires, he looks at his heritage, and he says, first and foremost, the one thing that really stands out to you about me is that your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice have passed on to you a sincere faith, and that is now evident in your life as well, that you have a faith in God. Recently, my youngest daughter, McKenna, who is four years old, there you are, McKenna, McKenna has discovered the volume on the remote control. And so she'll be in the toy room watching cartoons, and I'll be at the other end of the house, and suddenly I'll hear Brian Hall-like Disney voices coming out of the toy room. 
And so I run to the toy room and I'm like, McKenna, that's way too loud. Turn the volume down. And she's like, what? I can't hear you, Dad. The volume's too loud on the TV. I'm like, turn the volume down. And naturally, she always gets it confused at that point and turns it up even louder on the TV. But I was thinking about the volume of fear. And in a lot of our lives, the volume of fear is just skyrocketing in an upward direction. We can't hear the still, small voice of God because our fear is so loud. A lot of times our children can't even hear our sound wisdom because it's masked by our fear. In fact, whenever you find yourself overwhelmed with fear, a lot of your other senses begin to diminish and you're not able to think about things in a clear way because you're so captivated by fear. The way that you turn up the fear volume in your life is to think about you. Put all the responsibility on you. And I promise you that fear volume will go higher and higher and higher. Can I watch them enough to protect them? Fear goes up. Can I be perfect enough to model for them what a Christian mother is supposed to be? And the fear volume will go up. Can I do this? Can, 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 I, can I encourage them enough? Can, what about my shortcomings and my faults? And the more you focus on you and, and you discover your inabilities, the greater your fear is going to be in your parenting. So how do we lower that fear volume? How do we get to that point where we can clearly communicate, we can clearly think, our children can hear the voice of God? And let me just hit pause on this right now because some of you, it's Mother's Day and you're thinking to yourself, well, first of all, I'm a guy, not a girl, so I'm not a mom. And others of you are thinking, well, I'm not a mom yet, so this doesn't really apply to me. But the reality is is that everybody, no matter where you are in your journey of life, has a responsibility to mentor the coming generations. Whether we have biological children or not, we have a responsibility to love our neighbor, to make a difference in the lives of the world. And I've discovered that beyond parenting, that the spirit of fear exists in so many different areas of our culture today. Many senior citizens right now are petrified about what America is going to look like in the years to come where where people are going to be growing up. And, And this fear sense is so dominant within our Christian community. So how do we begin turning down the volume of fear? Well, first of all, we have to remember this. Children are a gift from God. The Bible teaches us in Psalm 127 and verse 3 that children are a blessing from the Lord. They are a heritage from the Lord. And we have to remember that it is God who brings life and God who takes life, that they are a gift from God. The great theologian Heathcliff Huxtable You ever read any of his works, Heathcliff Huxtable? Well, he was talking to an aspiring young Timothy named Theo one time. And he said to Theo, hey, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out of this world. And it was, you know, it was funny in that sense. But the the truth is, is that our children ultimately belong to God. We don't own them. We weren't the ones that brought them into this world, and we're not the ones that take them out of this world. They are a gift from God And we have to start seeing them as a blessing. They're going to be in your home for a season. 18, 20, 25, hopefully not 40, 45 years. You know, they're they're going to eventually, you're going to train them to leave. But they're going to be in your home for a season. And 
during that season, God has called you to guide them and to lead them in his ways. Secondly, realize this. God cares about my kids. God cares about you. I'm reminded of the passage in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus is talking about worry. And this is so applicable to everybody in the room. Jesus says, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, Jesus didn't tell us that we couldn't plan for tomorrow. What Jesus told us is that we shouldn't live in worry. We shouldn't let worry captivate us. He says, look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. Now catch this. If, that, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You of little faith, there's our word faith. God cares about you. God cares about your well-being. He calls you not to just have a little faith in him and a lot of faith in yourself. He calls you to put your faith in him and realize that he cares about you and and he's going to take care of you. Look at verse 31. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly, eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 33, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Primary being your pursuit of God and the things of God that are righteous, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself, and each day has enough trouble of its own. God cares about you. He cares about those children. He's got this. Thirdly, as we turn down the volume of fear, remember that God has a unique story for each of us here today. Every one of us are different. I have, who else, who all has siblings in the room? A lot of y'all, have, a lot of, most of us do. I have two sisters. You met my middle sister. I also have a, another sister, Debbie, that we're praying for. She's not able to be here today because of some health issues that she's dealing with, but you know, we all came from the same family. There's my mom over here. Hey, y'all give my mom a hand, will you? Hi, mom. Uh, we all come from the same mother. And, uh, you know, we have some similarities. But one of the things that I'm amazed with is how different we are. Have you ever noticed this, how, how different you can be than the same, you know, same sibling raised in the same home, same parents, and yet you're just so different? I'm reminded that God has different stories for each of us. God doesn't just produce people in an assembly line fashion where they all look the same. But we all have different gifts. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different uh, perspectives and experiences in life. And we also have different stories. Hey, the children that you're raising, they may not live the exact script that you write for them. 
They may not behave exactly the way that you would like them to, or they may not be exactly who you thought they would be. But realize they're a custom creation of the Heavenly Father. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. And yes, sometimes they turn to their own way and they go their own direction. But even through that, the sovereignty of God can write a beautiful story in their life when they follow Him. Let's remember that we all are unique, that we all are different. Fourthly, as we turn down the volume of fear, let's remember that God is much more equipped to handle the what-ifs than I am. Last week we talked about the three buckets of life, the small bucket that you can control, the mid-sized bucket that you have some control over but not much, and then this huge bucket that you really don't have control over, and that's where all the what-ifs are, and, and, and sometimes we worry and we have anxiety because we spend a lot of time trying to control things that we can't control, the what-if bucket. Have you ever played what-if dominoes? It goes like this. Uh, I forget to pack little Lash's lunch when he goes to school. Well, my little Lash went to school without his lunch. Well, what if he gets to lunch and he's hungry? Well, what if he gets hungry and then he steals somebody else's lunch? And what if little Lash gets in a fight because he stole somebody else's lunch? He's my son, so he'll pummel the other kid, definitely. So what if after he's whipped this other kid, he gets sent to the principal's office? And what if the principal looks at him and puts him in suspension? And what if... I have to watch him for two days. And what if uh, he then likes getting in trouble? And then what if he starts a life of crime? And what if he gets kicked out of school? And what if he winds up in jail? And what if he winds up going this way? And, and, And we play this game of what if dominoes where we connect all these different events. And it all started with the fact that you just simply forgot his lunch. Hey, listen, all those what-ifs, all this area of life that you can't control, these, these areas that are bigger than you, you've got to deal with those in faith because if you deal with those in fear, you're going to constantly be wrapped up in worry. And the volume of fear is going to be so high in your life that you won't be able to think clearly. You won't able to be really able to really give sound wisdom. Well, Paul goes on and tells Timothy in verse 6, Therefore, I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now notice this. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness. God hasn't given you a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. The spirit of motherhood is ablaze with faith, not fear. I remind you, Paul says, keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you. Remember the connections that he, that he made for us earlier. It came through Lois and Eunice to you. You have this faith that is within you. Keep that faith ablaze. Anybody in here ever built a fire? We're kind of a suburban crowd. You probably don't build a lot of fires Those little logs that you get at Walmart don't count, okay? Clean burning fuel, all right? But have you ever built a real fire? To build a real fire and keep it going, you have to continually fuel it. It has to have kindling. You have to put new logs on the fire. You have to throw old clothes onto the fire. Whatever you throw on the fire, you have to keep it going. So how are we going to keep that fire of faith ablaze in our homes? 
if you want to really be an influencer, if you want to be someone that impacts children and future generations to keep that fire of faith ablaze, be a person of prayer. Be that mom, be that aunt, be that person that young people know. You're praying for them and you're cheering for them and you're going to the Heavenly Father and you're interceding on their behalf. Be a worshiper. Be someone whose life is centered around God. Be someone who does more than just takes your kid to church. Be a true worshiper. Be someone who studies the Bible so that when people come to you for wisdom or come to you with questions, you don't just give them your opinion, but you're able to say, well, this is what the Word of God says on this matter. Be someone who loves your neighbor and is involved in service. One of the most powerful lessons that we can teach future generations is to teach them to serve others and to get out there ourselves, whether it's in something small like volunteering for Awana or VBS, or whether it's in something big like true major community impact, mission work, something like that. Let future generations see you serving because that communicates to them the faith of God and how it is ablaze within you and it begins to ignite within these children, ignite within these emerging generations a faith in God that will take them through the difficulties of life. You keep a fire ablaze when you're surrendered to the Holy Spirit and you're not simply living in your own strength but you're living in God's strength. Secondly, the spirit of motherhood is fueled by the power of God. I love Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. I can do all things. Now that's where we stop on the t-shirt, right? I can do all things, man. And that's it. But what's the real meat of the passage? I can do all things through what? Through Christ who gives me strength is how the NIV translates it. I watch amazing moms in our church, in our community, and I watch all that they do. And frankly, I have no idea how you guys don't just fall over. It's incredible all that you do. In fact, we get a little bit worried about you falling over, so we set aside one day called Mother's Day where we feed you and give you flowers and then send you back out there to do it again for a year. It doesn't really work that way, though, does it? The truth is is that if we're only depending on our own strength, we're going to get exhausted. We're going to be on a treadmill to nowhere. The passage in Philippians was actually talking about how do you go through troubles? How do you sustain and keep going even whenever life is very difficult? And Paul says, I can do all things. I can keep going. I won't quit. I won't fall over. I'll keep going because I know that God is going to give me strength. And so I live not in the spirit of fear, but I live in the spirit of power. Thirdly, the spirit of motherhood never stops loving. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verses 12 last week and, and how uh, there's a future aspect to this chapter. Earlier in the passage, it describes what true love really looks like. And as I think about mothers, I, I think about a true love that is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Let me challenge you to be a person who perseveres in love. Persevere in love in your marriage. Persevere in love in your family relationships. Sometimes as we get a little bit older, those relationships get difficult. Persevere in love. Persevere in love 
in your parenting. Be that person that lives with an anchor in your soul that is anchored in a foundation of love. Be that person that models this biblical godly love in your own life. You can't control how other people act. You can't control how they might respond and the decisions that they might make. But you can be a person of love. And you can be that person that strives to be like God in his love. Fourthly, the spirit of motherhood is filled with sound wisdom. The passage says, For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Whenever we truly are living in the spirit of motherhood, we're offering wisdom and direction for future generations. Well, there you are, Mom, shopping at the target of life. You say, well, Ash, hold on, I don't shop at Target, so the illustration's ruined. Okay, shopping at the Kroger of life. I don't shop there either. Okay, shopping at one of our 10 Walmarts, okay? Uh, They're putting Walmarts up around here as fast as they can. I think if I ever take up running again, I'm just going to start running from Walmart to Walmart. You know, just get a bottle of water at each Walmart and I'll be okay. Come back home. Hey, honey, how'd your run go? Well, it was good today. I, I made four Walmarts. Oh, so you ran a half a mile, huh? Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was good, you know. So there you are, shopping at the Target, Kroger, Walmart of life, up and down those aisles. What are you putting in your basket? What are you taking off the shelves of life and putting in the basket? Oh, over here, here's a bag of fear. Oh, here's a bottle of anxiety. Oh, here's a box of worry. Let me get two of those. Oh, they're new and improved. I'll get three. Because everybody knows the more I worry, the more I love. Put it in the basket. What are you filling your basket with? Or are you going up and down those aisles and filling your basket with things like faith, a power, love, sound wisdom? Because here's the reality. The things that you put in that basket are what your children are going to eat. And if you're filling that basket with fear, if you're filling that basket with worry, if you're filling, filling that basket with panic, that's what your children are going to consume. But if you're filling that basket with faith and power and love and wisdom, that's what you're going to be feeding your children. And that's what's going to give them strength. And that's what's going to take care of them. That's what's going to let them be those men and women of God that you desire for them to be. Hey, being an influencer is hard work. It's hard work to really make a difference in future generations. And unfortunately, there's no guarantees. You can pour your heart and soul into another person, and there's no guarantees. I like what our student minister, John Fletcher, reminds us of. He says, you can't be the Holy Spirit for your children. I know I want to be. Let me be the Holy Spirit for my kids. But eventually, they have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit themselves. And they're going to make decisions, and they're going to go their way. You can't be the Holy Spirit for your children. But God has called moms and dads. God has called life group leaders, VBS volunteers, Awana workers, neighbors. God has called us to the amazing journey of filling children with faith, bringing them up in the way of the Lord. And of all the people on planet Earth, of all the people that have ever been created, 
for whatever reason, God has chosen you and he has equipped you with the gifts and the knowledge and the capabilities to nourish those hearts. Nourish those hearts with faith. Nourish them with power. Nourish them with love. Nourish them with sound judgment and wisdom. Pour yourself into them. Feed them the things of the Lord. Moms, you can do this. You can do this. And one more thing. Thank you. Thank you. Dads, I teed that up so well for you for a spontaneous applause. No, 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 no. We don't want sloppy leftovers here, okay? What we're going to do, we're just going to rewind the DVR and pretend like that last part never happened and let you have your second opportunity, okay? Moms, you can do this. And one more thing. Thank you. There we go. Let's stand together. Let's bow our heads. The band's going to come. Uh, I'll be here at the front row. If there's anything that I can pray with you about, encourage you in, hey, maybe today is the day where you need to take that first step of faith and become a Christian in your life. I'll be here at the front row. And if I can pray with you, help you in any way, it's my joy to do so. Our heads are bowed. The, the band's going to lead us in this next hymn. I encourage you to, to sing with them, worship loudly. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, and I realize that in this room today that many of us entered gripped in fear, and we have a lot of worries and concerns. Many of us are playing that continual game of what if, and Father, sometimes we're not able to even hear your voice because we are so captured by fear, but today, Lord, we see from your word that you have not given us a spirit of fearfulness. We pray, Lord, that we will not live with these unhealthy fears, that we will not continually try to play the God role in our lives, but instead we will replace that fear with faith, trust you to be God of the universe, trust you to be God of our lives, trust you to be God of the future. And so, Father, we pour those children into you, knowing that you are the one that can be their strong foundation. And we pray, Lord, that we might fill their lives, that we might nourish their hearts with faith, power, love, sound judgment, Father. And I pray, Lord, for young men and young women to grow up in these communities, in these schools. I pray, Father, that you will raise up a generation that's heart will turn to you, I pray, Father, that your name and your fame might be ever increasing. And may we in our lifetime have the opportunity to stand in awe of what you have done in the lives of our children, in the life of our nation, and our world. It's in Jesus' name that we gather to worship you and sing this song. Amen.